Hello, good morning. Welcome. Welcome into the house of the Lord this morning. I am so glad to see each and every one of you. When I say that, I really do mean it. I hope you know that. It's, it's truly a joy to see you and to gather with you and to catch up on the week with you and to hear how things are going, whether it's good or not good. I want to hear from you. So welcome. I'm excited to worship with you guys this morning. As we um, just prepare our hearts and our minds, as we say every week, to receive from the Lord, I just want us to uh, fix our eyes on Him this morning. And we can do that through the reading of His Word and this call to worship. So let me share with you from Psalm 98, verses 4 through 6. I love this one. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. You can't hear that without singing the song, right? <laughs> we'll never be able to sing that with, or say that without singing the song. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. And whether you're shouting this morning or just kind of sitting quietly in your seat, I just want to invite you to worship the Lord wholeheartedly. He um, is so good and is so worthy of our praise and our worship. And I just pray that you would open your hearts to receive uh, what he has for you today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we are grateful to be in this place. It's the summertime, Lord, and so we're seeing faces that we may not have seen in, in a few weeks, and, and we know that everyone's busy and traveling, and so, Lord, I'm just grateful for the people that I get to see uh, in the church building on Sunday mornings, and, and I just pray, God, that we would continue to foster um, just this community of, of close relationships and bonds with one another, a place where we can come together, worship together as a family, as a faith community knowing that, that we are, are alongside one another in this journey. Lord, I, I just am grateful for this community where we can share our burdens and our joys with each other. I just pray, God, that you would unite us in worship this morning. Lord, I, I just pray that, that we would sense your presence, that I know, I'm confident you are in this place ready Amen. to give freely to us. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be ready and willing to receive from you. We love you, Lord. We worship your holy name this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.
this time of desperation when all we know is doubt and fear there is only one foundation we believe we believe in this broken dark you help us see there is only one salvation we believe we believe we believe in God the Father we believe in Jesus Christ we believe in the Holy Spirit We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And he's coming back again. We believe. So let our faith be more than anthems. Greater than the songs we
morning and prayer, and I just want to invite you to close your eyes, not focus on anything else going on around you, and I just want to give the Lord a moment to speak to us. I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you may be dealing with this morning, I know that there's been a lot that's unfolded under the, over the past few hours, and um, there's just a lot of our church folks that are dealing with various burdens this morning. So I just want to give you a moment. Fix your eyes on King Jesus and bring your burdens before him. And would you let him speak to you this morning? Would you give him space to move freely and to speak, speak freely whatever it is that he wants to say to you this morning? God, we thank you for being a God who sees us and hears us. We thank you, Lord, for the ways in which you are present in our lives. Whether we sense that or not, whether we recognize that or not, Lord, we know that you are present among us. You're always with us. God, I just pray that you would draw near to those this morning that are carrying difficult and heavy and overwhelming burdens. Lord, we pray for those this morning among us that are grieving a loss. Whether it's a, a new loss or one that happened some time ago, we know that grief is tricky and it is heavy at times often unexpectedly. But Lord, I just pray for those whose hearts are grieving this morning at the loss of a loved one, 
at the loss of a father. We remember Tara Beth Leach this morning and her family as they mourn the loss of her dad, Gary. Lord, we just pray that you would draw near to them in a very real and powerful way. God, that as they mourn this loss of this amazing life, God, I just pray that your presence would be so palpable among them that they would know that you are with them, somehow carrying them through this incredibly difficult time. Lord, we we thank you for the the ways in which we saw you move over this past week. We know that there were healings that have taken place. There are are people who have been recovering from surgeries and and long periods of, of trial with their health. And so, God, we praise you this morning. We praise you, God, for the ways in which you have helped us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We've seen you move and at work, and we thank you, God. We thank you for those who are able to be here today, present. God, we we think of those who just are facing health issues this morning, or we've got lots of families whose family members are facing health issues this morning. We pray that you would be with each of those. We remember them. We think of those who are not here with us today. Lord, help us to to notice them, remember them, check in on them, lift them up to you. And God, we know that you are are with them. You are present among them. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for how you are with me on the good days and the bad days. On the days where it's really easy for me to believe and be content, and to have trust, and to have faith. But thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with me on the days where all of those things are incredibly difficult. Lord, for those of us here who are just struggling, maybe we're just struggling to see you. Maybe we're struggling to receive the love that you are so ready to give us. Would you help us to see you? Lord Jesus, would you draw near to us? Help us overcome our unbelief. Help us as we wrestle with things. And may we just sense you in a very real and powerful way in our lives. God, I just pray that in a few moments as we open up your word that you would speak to us. Help us to have ears to hear what it is you want to speak to us. Holy Spirit, come, move freely in this place. God, we love you. Thank you for hearing us this morning. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. a mountain that I've never faced before 
That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a while. Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Forgive me, Jesus, I thought I could control whatever life would throw my way. Oh, but this I will admit has brought me to my knees. I need you, Lord, and I'm not ashamed to say, oh, sometimes it takes a Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger. Trust you and believe. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Sometimes it takes a mountain.
trust you and Andy and Rick, that was beautiful. She's going to take her mic, her ear mic with her. <laughs> Man, I was just sitting there thinking, like, do we even need a sermon after that? I don't know that you do. I'm afraid to follow that. We should have saved that for the end. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you, guys. <laughs> it was beautiful. We'll bring an encore at the end. <laughs> That was beautiful. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Well, friends, we are in week six of our summer sermon series called The Art of Neighboring. Week six, how are you feeling? Are you over it at this point? Are you ready to talk about something else other than neighboring and what it looks like to be a good neighbor? See, in my mind, I'm like, I think we're just starting to get the hang of it. I think maybe we're just starting to consider, okay, how can I do this? What does this look like for me? Uh, and so we are probably not, we're probably more than halfway through, but we still have a few more weeks um, and, and it'll kind of unpack into something different other than just neighboring, okay? So I don't want you to freak out, like, are we really going to talk about this for the next month? Because maybe I just won't come, but uh, we're, we're going to go deeper, so just hang with us. But, but this is about week six, maybe a little over the halfway point. Uh, last week, just to give you a little bit of a recap, we talked about um, our motives, and we talked about how when thinking about neighboring and how what it looks like for us to be Christ-like neighbors, our motives matter. Last week, we kind of wrestled with this challenging tension of, of maybe like a, almost a scandalous statement of saying that if, if, if evangelism is your only motive, then you might not be very effective. Right? We, we talked about how this is not just another evangelism tactic, that we don't want to draw up some strategic, scripted speech and, and, and like a sales pitch that we feel like we have to give to someone and they have to make a decision in that moment, but instead we want to be faithfully present in their lives. We want to do it because we love them, because Jesus loves them, not because our pastor told us to, not because that's the box I'm going to check this week. Our motives matter. We, we really need to be authentic when we're thinking about what it looks like to be a good neighbor, whether that is in your neighborhoods, your workplaces, your schools, wherever you are. Remember, this isn't just our physical, literal neighbor. We know that that's not what Jesus meant, or that's not all it was reduced to in this great commandment. We know that our neighbor is anyone and everyone. Uh, we're just spending the summer kind of emphasizing and, and recognizing our neighborhoods. But last week we talked about how uh, I think my favorite part of the book that I read from last week's sermon was, was that we, we should not look to make our neighbors our projects, but we need to look to make them our friend. Because if you think about it, nobody wants to feel like a project, right? I don't want to be someone's project. You don't want to be someone's project. And so we're not out to, to make them our projects, but we're out to make them our friend. And we value authenticity. And guess what? So do your neighbors. 
Your neighbors value authenticity. They want to see the real, authentic you. They don't want to see some facade or, or some put-together speech of, of what it means to be a Christian. They want to see you. They want to see Jesus in you every day, any moment. And, and when we're thinking about making um, our neighbors our friends rather than a project, along with, with that mindset, or as we're thinking about that, think about it in your own relationships. Think about how in your relationships, you want it to be two-sided, right? You don't want to be the only one giving, the only one showing up, the only one investing. Don't you want to receive something in that relationship as well? Because if, if we're the only ones giving and if we're just looking, listen, if we're just looking to like swoop in with our super neighbor cape, and we're always just swooping in, ready to save the day. Here I am, your amazing super neighbor, ready to help you at any moment. I'm only here to help, and then I'm going to be gone like this mysterious superhero. No, but we want it to be a community, a, a mutual relationship. We value reciprocity, right? We want, to, we want that to be a two-way relationship. We want to feel like we have something to bring to the table too, Right? I have something to bring to the table as well as you. You have something you can bring to the table as well, and so do our neighbors. And so this week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to receive from our neighbors, to, to receive from the relationships in our lives, wherever that is, whatever that looks like. We're going to pause on, on how we can show up and how we can give and be intentional, but then also to, to recognize how we can be intentional in receiving. You see, if you view yourself as always the one that's giving, contributing, and never receiving, you might have a one-sided relationship with the people in your life. And here's what I want us to understand about that and why that's problematic. If we don't allow people ever to meet any of our needs, then we are limiting what God wants to do in our lives. We're limiting what God wants to do in our relationships. If we only ever look to meet the needs of others, and we never allow others to, to perhaps show up and meet the needs that we might have, we are severely limiting what God can do and what God wants to do. The problem is, it's really hard for us to receive I find that at times our, our pride gets in the way and we feel that it's really difficult for us to receive. I want you to think about that for a moment. Is it difficult for you to receive from others? What is that like? What does that look like for you? I was thinking about this this week and, and I, I was thinking of reasons why it can be challenging for us to receive. I think it's because one reason could be that receiving requires humility, and this is a hard, a hard one because it, admitting or receiving something is admitting that I have a need. <laughs> I might be needy. You might be needy, and we don't know how to feel about that. I don't know how I feel about being the needy person. It requires humility, meaning I have to acknowledge that there's something that I'm lacking. There's something that I don't have that you might be able to give to me. And there may be something that I don't have that I can't obtain, even if I wanted to. I think sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to receive because we don't like to be indebted to people. 
Have you thought about that? Think about it at, at Christmas time when, when someone in your life who you just haven't really established the boundaries with that person and then they give you a gift at Christmas time and you're like, oh, I didn't realize we were there in, that, in the relationship yet. But here you are giving me a gift. I don't have a gift for you. It's not here yet. It's coming. Don't, it's, it's coming. Amazon, you know, it's coming. And then you feel like you have to stretch yourself out and go buy this person a gift because they bought you a gift. I can't leave them hanging. I can't be indebted to them. i got to meet them with a gift. Or how about when a friend unexpectedly buys your lunch? That's kind of awkward, right? You're like, oh, you don't have to do that, but I don't want to, like, take that from you. But I'll buy it next time. How about that? And let's, let's book it now so I can have a time when I can repay you for this lunch. We don't really like to be indebted to people for whatever reason. And I think another reason that it's, it's difficult to receive is because we just have trouble asking for help. Sometimes it requires us asking for help first, and that's where it's really challenging. If someone just kind of pops in with something and we're like, okay, that's easy to receive, but if I had to put myself out there, if I have to be vulnerable and ask your help, ask for your help with something, what if they say no? What if someone says, oh, I'm not able to do that or I can't do that this week, maybe another time? What if they say no? How do you come back from that? How do you recover from that incredibly awkward moment where someone might say no to something? I'm being dramatic here because that's what we do, right? We kind of build it up in our mind and it's like, oh, that will be so awkward and horrible if they reject me or turn me down, so I better not put myself out there. I don't want to be vulnerable. These are a few reasons. I'm sure there are many more. These are a few reasons why we have trouble receiving without hesitation. I was thinking about it this week. The authors in the book, um, The Art of Neighboring, the authors talk about this idea of remember. In fact, I want to see a show of hands. This is easy. Don't worry. When's the last time you were able to go to a neighbor's house and borrow an ingredient from them? Has anyone done that recently? Anyone? Have you been able to go to a neighbor's house like you're out of sugar? That happens all the time. I'm always out of sugar. <laughs> That's not like a, a fluke thing. I'm always out of sugar. I'm always out of milk. Has anyone actually gone to their neighbor's house recently and asked, hey, can I borrow a cup? People don't do that anymore. I admit I've never done that. I've never, I will, I will shove my children in the car and take them to Walmart and I will be so mad about it the whole time. That is what I will do before I will go knock on a neighbor's house and say, can I borrow some sugar? I will put myself through misery and my children, I'll drag them down with me before I put myself out there and ask my neighbor for anything. This is real life, right? I'm not the only one. <laughs> People don't even ask their neighbors for anything anymore. And so it's just thinking about what it looks like to become this community again, or perhaps for the first time, where there's both giving and receiving. And so I want to turn our attention this morning to a story in Scripture where we see or notice Jesus receiving something, okay? This passage that we're going to read in Luke chapter 7 if you've been in church for any period of time, you have heard this, this passage preached. You've heard a ton of sermons that come from this passage. It's very well known in the church. But I want you to read this passage, if you haven't before, from the vantage point of what Jesus is receiving. He's giving something in this passage, certainly. But I want you to read it with a fresh view of what Jesus is receiving in this story. Would you stand, if you're able as we read Luke chapter 7, 
beginning with verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, she kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, yet you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. This is the beautiful word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So as I, as I alluded to before, typically the, the focal point of this passage is not what Jesus receives, but it's instead what he gives and, and how he loves this sinful woman. We know what that's code for, right? That's code for this is a woman of, of a reputable morals. She's, a, she's a, not a nice woman, right? We understand what that means. And, and we recognize in this story how Jesus loves her, how he views her, the place that he gives her, how he welcomes her, and how much this frustrated the religious elite. And these things are important. Don't get me wrong. It's important to see what Jesus gives, and we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later. But I also want to recognize this, this important moment where we see Jesus humbly receiving something from this woman. And then it got me to thinking, as I was thinking about this particular moment, I started thinking about other times in Scripture where we may see Jesus receiving something. If you think about Jesus' ministry and the disciples' ministry, a lot of their ministry relied on receiving things from other people, receiving a place to stay. They relied heavily on people who would just open up their homes and say, come, you can stay with me. They relied on people to give them a meal to eat and a water to drink and a place to clean up. They traveled. They went from place to place, and, and there weren't, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were inns and whatnot. We know that, but they relied on hospitality, on others' willingness to open up their homes and give to them. And so we see this in Jesus' life, where he is receiving things from others. 
And from this story, I think that if we think about it carefully, we can kind of learn that that Jesus came to Simon's house and he actually had a few expectations for Simon, as anybody would when you came to someone's home during this time and in this culture. We know that, that Simon didn't offer up this typical hospitality that you would have seen. And we're not sure why. I don't really know what's going on with Simon there. I don't, if he was just testing Jesus, trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is, and I'm just going to not you know, offer up all of these nice things for him. But Jesus, as we see, would have gladly received and humbly received these things that Simon didn't care to offer him. Jesus would have loved to receive a proper greeting. We forget that Jesus was human. And of course Jesus would walk into someone's home and want to be warmly greeted, just like you walk into someone's home and you want to be warmly greeted. Right? It's not like, oh, Nicole's here. All right, well, just, you know, find yourself. Right, we want to be greeted. Hello, welcome. I'm not, we're doing, we don't do the kissing thing anymore. I was just talking with Doug about that. Like, I'm glad that handshaking is our thing and we're not offering, like, kisses for exchange of of greetings, right? But this was typical. That was just a way of greeting someone. He wasn't offered that greeting. Jesus, who is human, he's, he's dirty. He's been traveling. His feet are nasty. He would like a place to clean up. He would like to be able to wash his feet, but he wasn't given that opportunity. And here is this woman, this sinful, unwelcome, uninvited woman who gives all of these things to Jesus in her own way. She, she cries tears over Jesus' feet, and then she uses her hair, which is her prominent feature. She's known for her hair. She uses her hair to wipe his dirty feet. She responds with just overwhelming worship for Jesus, kissing his feet and, and just offering her praise and her worship. And then she does something that in the eyes of the other people in the house, they were just scandalized. They, she takes this expensive bottle of perfume, that's probably all the worth she had in this bottle, this expensive bottle, and she wastes it on Jesus' feet, just pours it out on Jesus' feet, and, the, and Jesus let her. Jesus let her. They were so scandalized that Jesus let her waste this jar of expensive perfume on his feet. She's completely criticized for this. It's outrageous that Jesus would allow her to do that. But I was thinking about it, and, you know, Jesus didn't need that from her. And I'm sure that's what the other Pharisees were thinking. He doesn't need this, does he? And, right, they had all these questions. Jesus did not need anything that she was offering him. I'm sure he gladly received it. But he didn't need any of that. And yet, I can't help but think, knowing Jesus the way I know him, I can't help but think that Jesus must have known that if he would have rejected this woman's gifts to him, think about that. If Jesus would have rejected this woman's gifts to him, how crushed would she have been? How crushed if you were offering a gift to your Savior and he would turn you away and say, that's not necessary. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. Right? That would have absolutely crushed her. And so he welcomes her gifts. He humbly receives what this woman offers him. You see, you and I, Christians, followers of Jesus, we worship God through our giving, 
And not just our financial giving or tithes or anything like that. We worship through our generosity and the giving of ourselves to others. That is a way in which we honor God and we worship God. Do you agree with that? So if that's true for us, if I'm honoring God with my generosity and just the giving of my time or or something to someone else, if that's true for me, that might be true for someone else. Who are we to judge and determine how God uses someone else's generosity? Who are we to reject their generosity? Who are we to say thanks but no thanks? Who are we to think that we don't need to receive anything from anyone, even our neighbors? I was thinking this week, and I was thinking that we pride ourselves on our giving We do sometimes. We get a little bit uppity with our willingness to give and give, whether that's financially or just give of ourselves and our time. We pride ourselves on our giving, and oftentimes that pride keeps us from being able to receive, just like our religious pride keeps us from compassion, authenticity, friendship with lost people. Our pride can keep us from receiving. And if we're too prideful to receive something from anyone, whether it's your richest friend or your poorest friend. If we're too prideful to receive, then how might we be hindering someone from seeing God and honoring God, whether they think they are or not? Not to mention, refraining from receiving oftentimes robs us of blessings that others want to give to us in a way that God wants to bless us. I was thinking about one time in particular, you know, Bo and I have tried, we, we don't always do well with this, but we've tried over the years to just be intentional neighbors. This is something that I've, I've tried to, to be intentional about for a long time. So about seven years ago when we lived in Valonia, and if you know of Valonia, Arkansas at all, you know it because of the EF4 tornadoes that ripped through that town on a regular basis and take the same path that they do previously. And so, you know, one year in 2014, this this massive tornado rips through Valonia, destroys our whole town, kills uh, several people. And, and, and we live just right off the path of where that tornado went. And amazingly enough, nothing in our yard was touched or moved. There wasn't a leaf on the ground. Our flowers were still perfectly in place that we had just planted and so that was really interesting. But then a whole like year and a half later, this random summer storm pops up and comes through, and it's just enough to knock down this massive tree we have in our backyard, the only tree we had in that backyard, by the way. This massive oak tree, it just, I think it was rotted, and so the wind hit it just right, and it completely fell. It was huge. It was loud. It crushed this shed that we had in the backyard, And we were just like, wow, that's fantastic. Wow, how are we going to get this massive tree out of our yard and look at all of our stuff that it's it's ruined in this shed? We're going to have to tear it apart. And before you know it, several of our neighbors are just coming out to our backyard to start helping us. And all this time, I'm just like looking for ways to swoop in and be the neighbor that helps them and that can serve them and can love them. This is where I learn a lesson on pride. When all along, our neighbors were, were ready and willing to do that same thing for us. And in that moment, I mean, they showed up for days to help us move all of our stuff from the shed to our garage and to bring their chainsaws and chop up that wood and to put it away and to get rid of it. They showed up for days to help us. And I just in that moment, I was so blessed, even though it was my mission to show up for them and help them. And I maybe prided myself on that when I shouldn't have. 
I was incredibly blessed to receive what they were so ready and willing to give. See, Jesus, I want you to hear this. Jesus, the one who gave everything, who gave everything, gave all of himself, holding nothing back, Jesus was willing to receive. He was willing to receive. The one who day after day got up and poured himself out, gave himself away, worked himself tirelessly every day. He had so much to teach us, so much to give us, so much that we could gain from him and receive from him. And yet he was willing to receive. And he didn't need any of it. God could have provided and did provide everything he would need. He didn't need any of it. But in his humility, he allows us to give to him. Jesus himself practices the art of receiving. Who are we to think that we don't need to receive? If we don't allow people to meet any of our needs, we limit what God wants to do in our lives and their lives. Friends, the art of receiving Just like the art of neighboring, what we've been talking about this whole time, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. We overcomplicate these things. We overcomplicate what it looks like to be a good neighbor. And we might overcomplicate what it looks like to be humble and willing to receive. But but receiving simply comes down to just being aware of the needs that we have in certain moments. Bo and I needed someone to help us with this massive tree. It would have taken us forever to do that on our own. In fact, I don't even know if I was out there at all to help him ever. So he really, really relied on people coming out there to help him. I, I, I think I was inside wrangling kids, and that's, that's hard work. So I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, did I ever go out there and help at all? I don't think I did. So he's probably really grateful for the neighbors that came out and helped. But we needed that. We, weren't, we certainly weren't going to send them away. How crushed would they have been if we, you know? sent them away. The art of receiving is not complicated. It's just about being willing and and vulnerable enough to receive. After all, how could you and I possibly think, come on, how could we possibly think that we have everything we need, that we have all the resources at our disposal? How could we ever be in the position of thinking that? And so I want to challenge you this week as, as you think about what it looks like to be an intentional neighbor, a Christ-like neighbor, a holy neighbor. I just want you to think about how you can receive. Acknowledge your needs. Maybe start there by just acknowledging the needs that you have and start noticing the people in your neighborhood who might be willing to help. And I want to challenge you to pray for the openness to receive all the love that God wants to give you and your neighbors without any barriers. Whether that love is shown through your giving or through your receiving, don't build up barriers between you and God's generosity. Either way. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up. And as they come back up, I want you to hang with me because I'm going to flip this whole idea on its head for a moment. I'm going to flip this whole thing upside down, so I want you to just hang with me. I read this quote this week from from Nazarene author and pastor. Her name is Mikhail Levine, and, and she says this so beautifully. She says, 
Jesus was able to give and receive love freely because he experienced God's love without any barrier in his own life. Do you need to hear that again? Jesus was able to give and receive love freely because he experienced God's love without any barrier in his own life. This is really important, not just for this sermon, but this whole series. Maybe there are people who have struggled throughout this series with how to love your neighbor and what it looks like to love your neighbor because if we were really honest and if you were really honest and vulnerable in this moment, you might say, that's really hard for me because I don't love my neighbor. Maybe for some of you, you just can't get past the fact that you don't have a love for your neighbor. And if that's you, I'm not acknowledging that or wanting you to acknowledge that to bring any kind of shame. I don't ever want to be the person that makes you feel shameful, and I don't think Jesus wants you to feel shameful either. I just want you to recognize that if you're having trouble with this idea of what it looks like to love your neighbor, give to your neighbor, receive from your neighbor, that's hard because you don't love your neighbor. And if you don't love your neighbor, you're probably not going to be able to give and receive from them. And I just want you to pause this morning. And and if you're one of those people that just doesn't love your neighbor and you're like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I love my neighbor? Why don't I feel compelled to show love for my neighbor? I don't want you to feel shameful about that or, or anything but I want you to just pause and and think about that and what is the root of that? Where is that coming from? What is causing you to feel those feelings that you have? Maybe we just need to pause in the middle of this sermon series, in the middle of the end of this sermon and, and understand something really important. You and I, we cannot love well, serve well, give well, maybe at all, if we haven't received Christ's love. If you have not fully received what Jesus is offering you, it's going to be really hard for you to give that away to someone else. How can you give something you don't have yourself? See, like Jesus experienced God's love without barrier, we have experienced Jesus' love without barrier, and that is how we are able to give and receive freely. Maybe this morning you just need to be reminded of the overwhelming radical love Jesus has for you. Yes, even you. Even you. I want to remind you this morning that while you and I were still living in sin, living for ourselves, separated from God, no regard for God, Jesus died for us. No matter where you're at, where you've been, what you've done, what you've said, how you've regarded God, how you've regarded Jesus, the walls you've built up, what you've rejected, what you have said, I'm not receiving that, I'm not listening to that. Nothing can separate you from the love Jesus has for you. Friends, you have been abandoned by people 
You've been hurt by people. You've been looking for love and affirmation only in people. And meanwhile, Jesus is over here waiting patiently to give you the love that you are looking for in other people. And yet you've rejected that because you're looking for it over here. And while they failed you, while they turned their back against you, while while they failed to give you what Jesus could give you, Jesus is over here still ready and willing to freely and openly give you what you've been rejecting for so long. And until you recognize your need for that overwhelming love, like Simon the Pharisee, you won't be able to give or receive without barriers. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Son of the Most High God, worthy of all worship, all honor, all glory, traded it all for us, only to be rejected by us, yet he continues to wait patiently for us. Friends, if you haven't received fully the love that Jesus has for you, I want to invite you in this moment to just be willing to receive. Not from anyone else, but in this moment, receive only what Jesus can give to you. And then with his help, you'll be able to receive from others and give freely to others. Would you just wait patiently and be present for him to give you what he wants to give you this morning? Please stand and sing this song with us this morning. This is my desire.
you give yourself so freely to us. We thank you, Lord, for the love that you give us when we, each person here, will be the first to admit, I am the last person worthy of your love and forgiveness and mercy and grace. Lord, I just pray that every person in this room would truly feel a love like they've never felt before. A warmth in their heart that, that they know that you love them. You love them right where they are. And God, whatever barriers we build between us and, and receiving that love, I just pray, Lord, that you would tear those down. Remove those barriers and help us to see the love that you have for us. And Lord, those of us who maybe just need to be awakened a little bit, those of us who have just been, for lack of a better term, lifelong Christians, and this is just what we do. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, but Jesus, would you just overwhelm us once again with your love? Remind us just how much we need your perfect love. A love that is so great and, and complete that we'll never find that anywhere else, no matter how hard we try or no, no matter where we look. Would you just overwhelm us, all of us, with your amazing love? And Lord, I pray that in response from receiving your love, that we would be, as Paul says, compelled because of the love of Jesus, that we would be compelled and overwhelmingly moved to share that love, whether it's in giving or receiving, with everyone in our lives, with every neighbor, with every coworker, with every classmate, every family member, every friend. Would we be able to freely give out this love and give of ourselves because of Christ's love that compels me? We, we can't sit still with that. We can't keep that to ourselves. It's so overwhelming and compelling. We have to share that with others. God, would you just set that fire in our heart? Jesus, would you come back in and fill all those spaces that we're trying to fill with other things? We need you. We need you, Lord Jesus. Help us, reignite us, mobilize us, 
Use us. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you leave this place knowing how much you're loved. How much Jesus loves you. Well, uh, friends, bear with me for just a moment because I have a lot to share with you. Okay, that's just part of being a part of this community. There's a lot going on, and, and it's all good things. These are all good things going on, so just bear with me as, as I share these things with you. So we are um, halfway through July at this point, and I just want to remind you, if you're still interested in participating kind of in our July prayer emphasis, this is out in the foyer, and it's just where we're emphasizing our, or where we're kind of taking our prayer this month. We, we just want to be intentional about praying for our neighbors and, and praying that, that we would just be willing and available to be intentional with our neighbors. So that's our prayer emphasis for the month if you want to join us. And I just kind of want to remind you of that. We've got a few more weeks of that. I want to remind you that Tuesday, July 20th, this Tuesday is the last day that you can purchase um, for uh, school supplies for the Restore Networks Back to School um, bash, and that deadline was July 25th, so if you will uh, purchase those by this Tuesday, July 20th, that will get the school supplies to restore by the 25th, and there's a, um, there's a QR code out in the lobby that you can just scan with your phone, and that'll take you directly to that link, so uh, just don't forget about that. VBS is, is right around the corner. We are closing in. We're excited. Details are being finalized, and preparations are being made, and we are very excited. We've got Several kids that are signed up for VBS. I don't know who these kids are, where they're coming from, but they're signing up. And so we're excited for VBS July 29th through 31st. All those details are anywhere and everywhere. Okay, this is where I'm going to be authentic with you this morning. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be authentic, and I'm just going to share with you that while everything has gone smoothly, we've had a time with our promotional materials that we've tried to order for VBS. I'm not going to go into it, but it's just been one headache after another for all these different reasons. So if you would like something to, to give to a family that you have in your neighborhood or just a family that you know of that you would like to invite to VBS and you say, hey, I, I would like something to give to them, I have these cute, adorable, teeny tiny postcards that are in the shape of a circle that you can give to them. These are out in the foyer. They're 10 times smaller than I thought they would be. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, these are way smaller than I, that was kind of one of the issues, but um, the other postcards that we ordered to replace these are somewhere in Belleville, and they've been in Belleville for like five days, but they have not landed on our doorstep yet, so, um, so take one of these cute little cards. You might not be able to read the words on the back, but, but kids will, and, and 20-somethings will, so they can find someone to read it to them. Anyways, that's just where we're at, so if you, also they can sign up online too. We've got VBS, or, or links on Facebook that they can, they can sign up through that link, so if you would rather share it virtually where the words are bigger, you can do that. Uh, I want to remind you that Lay Retreat is coming up September 10th through 12th. Uh, if you are not a pastor, then you are a lay person, and that means that you can go to Lay Retreat. And um, I just want to tell you that I've never been because I, I 
before I was old enough to go, I was a pastor, so I've never been uh, to lay retreat. But if you're interested, I know Dan and Janet Reinhardt, who are sitting right here, um, they go to lay retreat. They love lay retreat. They always find it to be a blessing. So if you're interested, but you're just not really sure, I would encourage you to go talk to them. That's okay, right? Uh, They would love to tell you about that and what to expect and how much of a blessing it is. Um, But that deadline is coming up to register for lay retreat. All the details are in the foyer. And again, you can talk with the Reinhardts and they'll give you all the info you need to know. Finally, this is the last one. Um, Next week is very exciting uh, for a few reasons. I know there's a a wedding happening next week that that a lot of people are going to be celebrating. And we celebrate with you from here, that beautiful celebration of marriage. Um, And so a lot of people are going to be gone next weekend. But for those of you who are able to be here, we are having Christmas in July. And it's going to be fantastic. We are going to be singing Christmas songs, and, and, and we're going to probably tie that into the sermon somehow. I don't know yet. I might wear a Santa hat. I don't know. You'll just have to come and find out. But it's going to be Christmas in July. We're going to crank the air conditioning down so you can wear sweaters if you want to. Um, haven't authorized that with Karen yet, but it's okay. She'll be fine. Uh, so celebrate Christmas in July with us next week. Why not? It sounds fun, so we're going to do that, Okay. All right, friends. Well, would you stand with me? Brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you go in the grace and peace and love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. May you be willing to receive this week. You are dismissed. Have a great day.